Hey, you ready? Hey, grab that right there. <laughs> Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Whole squad hey. ready? We came here to see Jet. What you got? Oh. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Clapback Block Show. Uh, this is Joseph Young and, and my co-host, Tom. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I had a heck of a week watching football. It was yeah. one of the best I can remember, at least since about this time last year. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Um, they, it turned out to be really good. Blood week. Yeah. <laughs> Rivalry week. No, hate week. Hate week. Hate week, week. yeah. It was kind of a blood week. Yeah. So the Civil War happened. Another. This is another victory podcast for us. So, yay. The Civil War is a very um, uneventful, shall I say, compared to the other games. (laughs) So basically, Oregon won in dominating fashion, and Oregon State just couldn't get anything going on offense. And um, what are your thoughts on this game? My thoughts on this game are actually mostly negative. To me, it came down to this is probably the worst performance I've seen from Justin Herbert. At the same time, I saw him do a lot of things this week that we've been harping on him, um, like the touchdown pass to, to Johnny Johnson three. Um, that was him throwing a covered wide receiver open. I mean, we, ha- we've, mm-hmm. we haven't seen that almost all year, but there were several just really short, wide-open passes that he just, I don't know if he lost focus or, or, or what, but he just, his, his lows were really low, and his highs, though few, were very, very good. I think I saw a stat the other day where um, he was like one of eight on throwing the ball on second down, and that one was like a screen pass. He, Justin Herbert had a season-low passing yards against the, at the time, I think they are like 122nd-ranked pass defense. Right now, after, even after that performance, the Beavers are currently ranked 115th. And while I was doing my research in on this, this is a, a, a fun step. They're, they are they're 115th in the league in pass defense, but are still ahead of... Like, five other Pac-12 teams. I don't know what it is about the Pac-12 defense, but we've turned into the Big 12. Yeah. And it's kind of embarrassing at this point, I think. UCLA, Arizona, Cal, Washington State, Stanford are all behind Oregon State. Arizona and Colorado are very, very close. I think they're within the next five of Oregon State. So that's eight teams in the Pac-12. Two-thirds of the conference are in the bottom 100 plus of the league and that's not inspiring whenever i say but look at the ducks throw the ball it's because they're not throwing the ball uh against anybody i thought that this game would have been a lot closer if jake luton had played i think that tristan gebbia looked pretty decent coming in in relief of jake luton at times i thought he actually even looked better than herbert um, he was making some really wise plays and not making a lot of mistakes. I thought that Oregon was kind of, I, 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 don't, I don't know what they were doing. Um, Oregon State was mounting a comeback and probably could have made the game a really close game uh, if it wasn't for the, the hurdle fiasco that happened there at the end of the game. Um, the, the score of 24-10 doesn't really tell the tail of the game all that much i'll I'll often say like the score wasn't even that close but oregon i'm not gonna lie oregon did control the tempo of the game did seem like they were controlling the game oregon state always felt like there was a threat of them coming back into it yeah it was 10 17 um when oregon was mounting a drive to come up and tie the game with less than two minutes to go Jamar Jefferson had a great 20-yard touchdown run there to put him up to 10 to 17. And if it wasn't for that fumble, um, I'm sure that they would have found a way into the end zone, which would have tied the game, making it a 
17-17 game going into overtime rather than the 10-24 game. Um, all that to say, made me nervous. Game made me yeah. Nervous. yeah, all I'm going to say on this game is is that a win is a win is a win because um, Oregon did not play well. I'll say that. They needed a lot of help. Uh, Mikel Wright had an excellent uh, kickoff return. Um, so it's becoming one of my favorite people to watch. Yeah, that's enough uh, Civil War talk because uh, this game was really boring compared to the other ones that are on that were on at the around the same time. Boy, howdy! Plus, it was plus it was on the uh, Pac-12 network, and no one has that <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, there were some big rivalry games in the Pac-12 this weekend, namely uh, the Apple Cup, and Washington won that handily, thirty-one to thirteen. The Cougs yeah. got. Palindromed. Yeah, and uh, the the mo- the funniest part of this game was um was Mike Leach going after a reporter uh, post game. So that was the best part of it because it was really boring. Yeah, this is Washington's eighth straight Apple Cup, and they've won all of them by double digits. Um, it's safe to say mm-hmm. that they've got the uh, the upper hand on this rivalry. Yeah, this was kind of a boring game, top to bottom, except for that one play where the the tight end, I can't remember. I think it was uh, McKinley. Mika, Mika, I don't know. The tight end uh, um, caught the ball and was going down to the ground, but the Washington State defender uh, somehow got underneath him and lifted him mm-hmm. up. The receiver, his knees were about two inches from the hit, from touching the ground, and he just got lifted up and he fumbled the ball. That was really exciting. Mm-hmm. But other than that it was it was a game to to fly over if we're talking about things that were boring. Yeah. And it was the it was the last game for Coach Peterson, as we found out earlier yesterday. So that was kind of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have sources close to the situation, and uh, they assured me that this was not a ploy to get into uh, another high-profile head coaching position. He was just kind of getting burnt out and needed to step away for a little bit. Uh, now we'll see. If that is really the case, I have my speculations, but that's the uh, that's the word on the street right now. Yeah, it's um, it was, it was a really big surprise when it broke. Uh, it was no one saw it coming. Yet, I don't think. <laughs> Moving on to the territorial territorial cup between Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, Arizona, yeah, Forkham. Arizona State largely dominated this game, except for. So for the first half, where they just completely messed around, and the second half, they finally woke up and realized Arizona is one of the worst defenses in the country. So they got a lot of Eno Benjamin going on. They he's did. Back to his, yeah, he's back to his usual form. Yeah, Unfortunately, was, as the Ducks found out. <laughs> he was practically all of their offense. He had 168 yards and two touchdowns. Um, their leading receiver, Brandon Ayuk, only had 67 yards. He accounted for all of Arizona State's touchdowns, essentially. And, you know, it was 24-14. I'm going to say it again. Score wasn't that close. Arizona had a garbage time touchdown. But, yeah, Arizona State came out, and they, they looked like they had something to prove. They said, no, the Oregon victory wasn't the mm-hmm. I don't know what it was that uh, took them out of the uh, – um, out of the swing of things in the middle of the season. But right now, they look. if you were to look at the beginning of the season and the end of the season for Arizona State, you'd think that they were dominating the entire time. Um, but some, the, the yeah. middle slate of games just kind of took them off the, uh, off the track there. Yeah. It's, uh, also, if you are drinking this game and you play the drinking game, because every time the ESPN broadcast said onward or victory, you'd be very sick. Because <laughs> mm. they say that on repeatedly over and over and over. Yeah, I thought the uh, the state of Arizona logo was pretty nice at midfield at Sunday Little <laughs> Stadium, saying, "Hey, this is our state." So that was pretty funny. So speaking of just getting hammered, Utah took Colorado out behind the woodshed and lit them up. Yeah, they did, and they wore the uh, off-brand Ohio State uniforms again. <laughs> <laughs> it was Utah coming out and making a statement that they should mm-hmm. belong in the top five, which they are. Rankings come out today. They jumped up a spot. So they're number five. Oklahoma's number six. But we'll get to that later. 
it's like they came out and said, how many points can we score? Indeed. And yeah. Colorado was having a very difficult time stopping them. Yeah, speaking of Colorado, uh, their star receiver, LaVisca Chenault Jr., declared for the draft today. A lot of people declared for the draft today. I didn't think he could do that until yeah. after um, after the bowl games, but uh, yeah, the deadline is um, the deadline is like the middle of January after the championship game. So, oh, we'll see how many more come out. So I don't know. I think it was the right right choice for him to come out because they Montez is leaving and and uh, they don't have a replacement for him. So go make your money, young man, while you can. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Colorado does next year without him. Um, I think they'll be fine. They're definitely going to be a different team, but I think uh, I've done my way, way, way too early uh, season outlook for next year already, and I think I have I have them second in the Pac-12 South to USC. Yeah, and third overall, but that's way, way, way too early. We'll be getting into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cal and UCLA also played, and basically it was the uh, Chris Brown Jr. show in that game. Yeah, I was gonna say, did they play? They, I mean, like they know they both took the yeah. field, but I mean, yeah, was it really a game? Um, Not boy, right. Cal was glad to have Gabers back. Yeah, they looked refreshed and renewed with Gabers at the helm rather than the the sluggish and lethargical offense that they've seemed to have had with Monster under mm-hmm. center. Yeah, and Cal's defense showed up as well, so that's that's a good sign for them. And UCLA had uh, had moments, had flashes of brilliance, as they say, but it seemed like every time they started to get something going, as they gaining just a little bit momentum, they would just fart, and it would all go away. Yeah, UCLA's offense was basically Devin Asiasi, their tight end, so... It was pretty easy for Cal to stop. It was it was a pretty uh it was pretty boring slate of Pac-12 games this week. Speaking of tight ends that are difficult to stop, um, yeah. Stanford was having trouble stopping Notre Dame's tight ends. Claypool and Commit. Yeah. Well, Commit's coming back to the school by the way next year. So, so that wraps up a pretty boring slate of the Pac-12 games from last weekend. So. It was a holiday holiday weekend full of rivalry games on the national scale. Uh, some interesting, some bad, and some mixed in a little bit of both good and bad. But uh, either way, the NCAA football yeah. gods were in the spirit of giving. Particularly on Thanksgiving, uh, amidst all the NFL games, we had the Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl, and boy, was it an egg of a bowl! Um, Old yeah. Miss had the game in the ha- in their hands, in their grasp, and they pissed it away. Yeah. It was the egg bowl. It was the eggest bowl of the egg bowl. Everybody so. had egg on their face after this bowl. Yeah. Uh, if you have been living under a rock or so the last four or five days, you uh, yeah. probably are unaware that uh, Old Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore, after scoring a touchdown, did the uh, the three legged dog urinating uh, touchdown celebration which flagged the extra points for a 15-yard penalty, which caused them to miss the extra point and hence lose the game by one point. Um, yeah, and then uh, subsequently, the old Miss coach got fired a couple of days later, so it was a very, very costly loss for them. Matt Luke got fired. It made uh, Mississippi State bowl eligible, uh, mm-hmm. which probably uh, saved... Jim Moorhead, his job, um, you'll notice that uh, essentially right after uh, all this happened, Greg Schiano finally got hired at Rutgers. The guys at PAPN yeah. have a really good um, breakdown of the actual fallout or the perceived fallout yeah. of this guy's actions yeah. and like whose careers they've ruined and whose lives he's affected yeah. individually. And it's the, it's the, the piss celebration that's a heard round the world. The piss heard round the world. Yeah. <laughs> it was made famous by uh, Odell Beckham Jr., that one NFL game a couple of years ago, but 
it's it's been yeah it was a uh, AJ Brown that did it a couple of years ago as well in this rivalry game so Elijah Brown Elijah Moore isn't the first one to do it his was the most impactful I, I would say plus it was on a Mississippi State's home field to do to boot so I don't know he's not going to live that down anytime soon I don't think probably not yeah um, other games we are treated to this weekend include the V game, uh, yeah, Ohio, Ohio State, State Michigan, Michigan. Uh, Ohio, State. Ohio State number one. Yeah, number one Ohio State rolled as usual. It was a lot less competitive than I was expecting. Uh, I was really expecting yeah. Michigan to kind of roll in with their uh, their newly fixed, smoothly running offense. I think they've uh, they they've won the last about six games or so by at least 25 mm-hmm. points. Yeah, and what's surprising is that Chase Young wasn't really effective in this game. Uh, no, Michigan did a really good job of of yeah. double-teaming him every single time. They had at least two guys. Um, sometimes uh, you could argue like one and a half guys where one guy would just come in and check block and then jump back into his, his zone. But yeah, they uh, neutralized Chase Young um, one guy yeah. they didn't account for, though, is J.K. Dobbins. 211 yards, four touchdowns. I believe those are all career highs for him, who's already had an amazing career at Ohio State to begin with. Ohio State had a total of 577 offensive yards against Michigan. Um, if that was against Rutgers or if that was against uh, Northwestern, I wouldn't bat an eye. But that's that's a pretty... Pretty good chunky yardage. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was in a close contest, as the score indicates. It was a uh, yeah, basically Ohio State clinched the East. So we'll be talking about that later on in the show. Also, another rivalry game where we had our eye on is uh, North Carolina and North Carolina State. It was a blowout in North Carolina's favor. Um, so they'll be going bowling, uh, fortunately. So for Mac Brown. Yeah. Mac Brown is bowl eligible in the most Mac Brown way possible. Um, yeah, and he keeps they, on dancing. They uh, they they surprised the the world um, starting out the season as strong as they did, and then kind of did the Arizona State thing, where they relaxed a little bit, and then they needed that one final miraculous push to win, and they did it. And Mac Brown's going dancing. Yeah, and uh, there's not much else to say about that game because it was a blowout. And yeah, North Carolina State's not good. Not this year. No. Another really low key game was uh, UNLV against Nevada. They had a brawl at the end, so that was really, um, really interesting. I was going to say the, low key for yeah. who? Yeah, uh, believe it or not, UNLV fired the coach during the week, and they had made him coach the game, and they sent him out with a victory. So that's, I guess, that's good. <laughs> I can't think of a worse punishment than being forced to coach yeah. the UNLV football team. They they did end up winning the the Fremont Cannon um, in overtime. If you have any <laughs> doubt about the presence of momentum and how it uh, it can truly affect a college football game. Watch this game because it was yeah. it was swinging one way and then it was swinging another. UNLV had three straight scores to start the game. Then Nevada had three straight scores, and then it went back to UNLV for two more scores. It went back to Nevada for two more scores, and then they both scored in overtime. Um, it was a more fun game to watch, like a condensed version of, than it would be the whole version, especially considering the fighting. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they were definitely swinging at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, what happened was Nevada's player got really angry and he started swinging at everybody. I think it was one of the UNLV fans got in contact with him and he started swinging wildly. Uh, speak, speaking of wild swings, um, there was the the Commonwealth Cup, University of Virginia yeah. at Virginia Tech. University of Virginia coming out on top for the first time in 15 years. Congratulations, Coach Mendenhall. I found this game particularly entertaining for two reasons. One, it gives the ACC Coastal its seventh different champion in the last seven years. That's one champion, one different champion per year. Every team in the 
the that division has won in the last seven years. Um, yeah. Never, never before done. That's that's incredible. Yeah. That's a feat that I try to to recreate when I'm playing NCAA football, uh, 2007 on my PS2, and that's difficult. That is difficult. Um, yes, and uh, and the right to be Clemson's sacrificial lamb this weekend, but we'll get to that later on in the show. But yeah, yeah. Um, if you get a chance to check this out on on the ESPNs, look at the the win percentage probability graph as as the game goes on. It looks like an EKG. Um, I don't think anybody actually got more than about sixty to seventy percent. Um, <laughs> victory possibility until the very last play of the game the the banner society slack channel was going wild over this game uh yeah which i was a part of (laughs) everybody believed that virginia tech had this game in hand and then all of a sudden virginia just started coming back and someone said wait virginia virginia is probably going to win this game and then it seems like from that point on virginia just decided they wanted to win the game and they did um, you know, this was a Black Friday game for for those of you who missed it. So I think everybody was out shopping. But it, was, it was one of the games you couldn't miss. It was one of the games that um, I'm sorry I missed because I yeah. was watching other games. But um, once I saw all the, the hubbub and the hullabaloo, I mm-hmm. definitely put it on my second screen. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go back and watch the whole thing again. Yeah, it's probably it's gonna go down as one of the best games of the year. So congratulations to Virginia. Also, you know the game of the week uh, Saturday was uh, the Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. Yeah, and the, talk about wild swings. That game was full of wild swings. <laughs> yeah, that's so, another EKG uh, yeah. probability game. Every time you look around, looked up, it was a touchdown every other minute <laughs> by some, by both teams. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's really surprising. Uh, Auburn only had two offensive touchdowns. The rest were field goals and uh, in defense. Uh, Anders mm. Carlson went four for four on field goals, and his shortest one was forty-two yards. Yeah, that's. I think he had he had at least two from fifty-two. The guy's gonna go gonna go pro he's probably gonna be drafted huge to say for a kicker yeah his his older brother is daniel carson carlson he's a kicker in league so you know he comes from a great great bloodline i did not realize that thank you for pointing yeah. that out um so it was a talk uh, speaking of kicking alabama jordan Hare, they're kickers oh man <laughs> i told you joseph they, i told you last week yeah gonna come down yeah. to alabama in a field goal situation at jordan hair things are gonna get really interesting really quickly yeah it gets weird it does so. get weird for those of you who don't know it came down to uh auburn putting in their punter at the wide receiver position in a punk formation and nick saban just freaking out about this weird formation and couldn't get his substitutions in in time and ended up getting hit with a 12-man yeah. on the field penalty, giving Auburn a first down. Yeah. So it's um, – Nick Saban had a lot of freakouts in this game. <laughs> yeah. So. This was uh, the wild extra second put on the clock at the end yeah. of the half. Essentially all of his, his star position players kind of forgetting how to play football. I think uh, two pick sixes, one coming off of a – a bounce off of the butt of, I think it was Henry Ruggs. Yeah, um, Najee Harris. Oh, Najee Harris. If you were writing a script for an entertaining football game, you would not have come up with a game as entertaining as this one. No. It was the, it was the most Iron Bowl of Iron Bowls, I think. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of irony, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, and Jalen Waddle, he's going to be – He's going to be wide receiver number one for next year's draft class. Probably the most inappropriately named football player. Yeah. A lot of. A definitely lot of, doesn't waddle. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun nicknames going around for this year's Iron yeah. Bowl. Some of yeah. my favorites uh, come from uh, Spencer Hall and Jason Kirk. The, uh, the honky tonk badonka doink. Mm-hmm. 
and the the Twelve Angry Men game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be. I think that this this game replaces the Kick Six as the most dramatic and wildly entertaining. I think. I agree wholeheartedly. So that wraps up our segment. Uh, looking back at the national games for last weekend. So we have a Oregon has a game up this Friday night again in, against Utah. Check me out. Friday night title game. Yeah, Back Friday night after flights. dark Friday night edition. Yeah, things might get weird. Mmm, they definitely mm-hmm. might. Just yeah. looking at my numbers for this game, um, they're kind of all over the board. FPI has uh, Utah with a fifty-one point one percent chance of winning the game. Um, making it only a, a 1.1% chance of being better than Oregon, which is still a chance. Uh, Vegas has them favored by six. Um, I think the consensus pick is actually Oregon six and a half. S&P Plus actually has Utah favored. So it's it's kind of all over the board as far as yeah. expectations. Most of them are in Utah's favor. Yeah, Oregon definitely needs a good Justin Herbert to show up to have a chance in this game. Absolutely. I don't think that they have a good chance if the Justin Herbert from the last couple of weeks shows up. Mm-hmm. We need to kind of focus on, on the big play. We seem to be pretty uh, pretty laissez-faire against about our, uh, our play calling recently. We need those big explosive plays, uh, however we can get them. I think that our wide receivers match up with their defensive secondary. They have one or two really, really good guys, but they don't really have the depth that's required to guard all of our guys, I don't think. And we need to do a good job of making sure that Tyler Hundley is uncomfortable the entire game. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be difficult uh, considering the style of play and the, uh, the defensive play calling and just the respect that I personally have for the Utah defense. To, to stop uh, Anae and company from just wreaking havoc all over the place. Uh, it's going to be difficult to get a, a solid run game going, and we're going to need to find creative ways to get all of our offensive playmakers involved, not just the, the, the zone read to the left and jet sweeps, but really like, like scheming open receivers and – uh, we saw last week that Herbert can start to throw open covered receivers, and that's mm. that's critical in being able to play defense as tough as Utah yeah. is. Yeah, I'm legitimately terrified of this Utah defense. Um, they have they have more interceptions than touchdowns allowed this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my score prediction for this game is going to be Utah. 24, Oregon, 17. Mm, low scoring, scoring affair. Yeah. I think I have... Oh, man. It pains me to say this. My my head says Utah, 28, Oregon, 21. Um, but my heart says Oregon, 27, Utah, 20. Mm-hmm. And Utah is wearing those uniforms they whooped Oregon in, so. Why buck a trend? Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting what Oregon wears. Yeah, I haven't seen yet. Usually they yeah. uh, they have that released by now. Mm-hmm. They must be waiting to do a surprise reveal. Yeah. Just wait until the actual game starts. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Oregon is Oregon is listed as a home team in this game, even though it's a neutral site. Yeah, I don't know how they figure that out. Is that a? Yeah. Does that just switch every year, or? I'm not that... sure how they do it, but it's it it just it happened this year. So yeah, so I don't know. I I think Utah will win and ultimately get in the playoff because they're number five now. So. Um, well, I think that whatever happens, yeah. Oregon's going to go to the Rose Bowl. Um, if yeah. they lose, they're still the number two team in the conference, uh, and Utah will have a strong enough schedule at that point to uh, make an yeah. argument to get into the CFP top four, which is going to be theirs to lose if they do win, because with Georgia playing LSU, one of those teams is going to drop out. Yeah. Um, because that's the next game we're going to be talking about is LS, number one LSU, number four Georgia. 
Uh, is it one and four? I thought it was two and four. Oh, yeah, it's two and four. I have two and four. Yeah. We need LSU to beat Georgia, so that way Georgia has zero argument to be in the top four. Yeah, Georgia they need to LSU, beat the breaks off of them. Then yeah. they're both going to be 12 and one, and they'll both say, but we mm-hmm. get to be in. And I think that because I have eyes and I trust the committee does as well, they would actually put both of them in, making the, the second year that they have had two SEC teams in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. No. I think LSU is going to win this game. Um, I do too. Yeah. Yeah, because Georgia lost their one of their receivers, George Pickens, he to to suspension because he got uh he got into a fight with at Georgia against Georgia Tech. They don't call it good old fashioned hate for nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this it was is a legitimate brawl because they're both sides were throwing punches and it was. Yeah. yeah. What uh what Pickens did is he grabbed the the horse collar of the Georgia Tech guy. And threw him into the wall, um, professional wrestling style. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was not just a a punch thrown or a or a targeting. It was it was indeed um, good old fashioned hate being displayed. Yeah, he he earned he earned every bit of that suspension. Yeah, he did. I'm surprised they didn't. Uh, the school yeah. suspended him more. Yeah. So. So the the tale for me of this game is going to be the unstoppable force that is LSU's offense against the immovable object that is Georgia's defense. Georgia has the number two ranked scoring defense in the nation, holding opponents to just about 10 points a game. And LSU has the number two scoring offense in the nation, uh, scoring at about 50 points per game. Um, So number two defense going against the number two offense, it's going to get messy one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Something's going to give. Um, yeah, I don't think that Georgia has the ability to take the top off of LSU's defense. I mean, now that Pickens is out and that Cager, uh, who was their great speedy receiver that gave him that extra level, uh, he's out for the year with, uh, I think it's an ankle surgery. Georgia doesn't have the offense to keep up with LSU's defense. Even if Georgia does or is able to corral uh, Joseph Burrow, and if he, even if they do uh, manage to stop their stable of receivers, I just don't think that they have an appropriate or an adequate answer on offense to as much work as their defense is going to do. And I believe in uh, that whatever Georgia does to take away uh, LSU's strengths, Joe Brady is going to find a way to scheme in something else, whether it's um, it's leaning more heavily on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like we saw at the Auburn game, yeah. or whether it's not worrying about the bigger plays uh, over the top, but just trying to uh, to create havoc in the, the defensive midfield. Um, I mean, th- these are things that we've seen, uh, seen them do time and time again, is, mm-hmm. is have an answer to the opposing defense taking away their, yeah. their biggest threat. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, it's gonna be interesting offense versus defense battle on both sides because both sides have multiple NFL draft prospects. So, so uh, yeah, it's gonna be really interesting who wins the battle in the trenches because I think that's gonna be where the game is gonna be decided. You know, I, they always say that, and yeah. in this game, I'm not entirely certain that's true. Yeah, I think in this game, the battle is going to be won in the air. Um, I think both teams have uh, fantastic, talented quarterbacks. I was I was a bit uh, hesitant about calling Joe Burrow an elite quarterback up until the last couple of weeks, but I'm now a Burrow believer. Burrow, Burrow, 2020 out there, guys. Mm-hmm. I think that the the trenches will be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that the game is necessarily going to be won and lost there. Yeah. Also, Saturday is the uh, prime time, is the Big Ten title between Ohio State and Wisconsin. Wisconsin getting in by virtue of their defeat of Minnesota last weekend. They're going to need that axe to come into Ohio State. Ohio State, uh, that defense of Wisconsin is going to be severely tested, I think. Severely. The last time they met this season, Ohio State 
held them to seven points. And I think that they even that was yeah. a garbage time touchdown. Um, yeah, it's going to be – they whooped them last time. So I think it's going to be closer this year. Yeah. Or th- it's going to be closer this time around. It's not going to be quite the uh, 38-7, but it's not mm-hmm. going to be very much different no. than that. I think Ohio State still looks like the most complete team in the nation. I can see maybe Wisconsin finding more ways to score. I think maybe they get 20, maybe 21 points. Yeah, here's an interesting stat. Um, I found it earlier today on Twitter. Was that Ryan Day is the first Ohio State coach to win the uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year in nearly 40 years. So not even Jim Trestle or Urban Meyer won that award. So that's saying something. That is saying something. Holy smokes. He owes most of that to Urban, though. I'm going to say that. Yeah, Ryan Day was supposed to be the Titans' offensive coordinator until Urban Meyer stepped in. So... And how do you feel about that, Joseph? I have a very special place in my heart for Urban Meyer, I'll say. (laughs) Is it a warm place or is it a dark place? It's a dark place. Mm. Given his his tenure at Florida and me being a Florida State fan, so um, it's a very dark place for me, so I'll Mm. say that. (laughs) I see. So I think Ohio State wins this by like 40 to 24, I think. Kicking off the big, kicking off the conference title games on Saturday is uh the Big Twelve one, Baylor against Oklahoma, uh, six versus to seven. Live so from this, Jerry's world. Yeah, this has massive playoff implications for the winner. It does. If Oklahoma wins and Utah wins, there's going to be quite the hullabaloo among the the fans of both of the teams clamoring for who gets in. Um, I think that if if Baylor wins and Utah wins, Baylor is has secured itself at number five. I don't think they've had yeah. the um, the resume that Utah has quite yet. Last time these uh, these teams met earlier on in the season, it was a a wild finish and a wild game. I remember this was the uh, um, the inverted bell curve probability game where Oklahoma came out scored their first points of the game and then just forgot how to play football for three and a half quarters and then surged in and scored like 28 points in the last (laughs) quarter. If you're looking for points, this is where all the points are going to be. I don't think Ohio State's going to get up to 40. I think that the law of conservation of points comes into effect here and all the points are going to be in in Dallas. Oklahoma is... is scoring like 45 points a game and I think they have the the highest ranked offense in total yards at like five like 565 yards a game I mean there are some teams that don't put that up in two games yeah (laughs) and they're doing it consistently week after week after week so and Baylor's defense is is probably one of the better defenses in, well, I'll say the Pac-12, or the, the Big 12 probably would be in the Pac-12 too. I don't know. But they're holding their opponents to only about eight a game, and that's including the 34 that they gave up to Oklahoma earlier in this season. I don't think that either team is a lock for the playoff. If they win, they're definitely going to need some help. But what we're seeing here is Matt Rule going up against Lincoln Riley. And I think this is going to be like the next great coaching battle, whether or not these guys stay at their respective schools. It's hard to see Lincoln Riley leaving anytime soon if it's not for the NFL, but wherever Matt rule ends up, I don't think that Baylor is his lifelong dream coaching job, but the Matt rule Lincoln Riley is going to to be um, one to watch from years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt rule has been an NFL assistant before. So and last, just last year, he interviewed for the New York Jets job. Thankfully, he didn't take it because mm, that's a mess of an organization. It's just so he has his eyes on the NFL eventually. Boy, it, would it that might, be cool if Lincoln yeah. Riley took the Cowboys job and yeah, it might not Matt Rule be, took the Giants yeah. job. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Joseph, I just got really excited. Oh, that would be so epic. It's, yes, so it's a... Uh, it might not be uh, Lincoln Riley's last time in Jerry World, so <laughs> yeah, it might not be. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, history has it. Jerry likes to yeah. hire successful college coaches. Especially from Oklahoma. Especially from Oklahoma. Barry Switzer, um, and then, like, Jimmy Johnson after him. There's some history there. That's not yeah. just spitting into the wind. So we'll see how the coaching carousel spins this year. Yeah. There have been several firings, comings and goings, I'll say. Yeah, but before we move on, we need to go to the last big high-profile conference championship game, and that is the that is Cincy Memphis yes. American Athletic Conference. Um, this is one of the, the second time in history that the that two teams have played each other back to back. I think last time was a couple of years ago in the Big Twelve Championship game. This, the winner of this game is likely going to be the Group of Five representative in the New Year's Six Bowl. Currently, Memphis is favored by nine, and I don't really see them changing that. I think that that's going to be a very similar score to last week, where Memphis won 34-24. Yeah, believe it or not, this is the second week in a row that uh, Cincinnati is playing in Memphis. <laughs> I'm hoping that this game yeah. uh, kicks... Cincy down far enough that they get a Music City Bowl berth, so that way they play it mm-hmm. there three weeks in a row, three games in a row. Yeah, so this could be the uh, this could be the Florida State head coaching job bowl, as oh. both Luke Fickle and Mike Norvell have been rumored for the job. <laughs> It'd be hard to see Norvell leave yeah. Memphis quite so soon. I, I yeah. think that he actually really enjoys coaching at Memphis and wants to uh, like build up his program a little bit more at least to get like a full four years of guys under his, his belt uh luke fickle yeah i could see him leaving that's going to be an interesting yeah. job to to see open um the read option newsletter had a uh, an interesting article about the head coaching vacancies and the different philosophies of how to fill them so go find that on banner society uh and then the last the the last uh, game i want to talk about yeah do i want to talk about it the ACC championship game, Clemson over University of Virginia. Do you think Broncos yeah, are going to put up a fight? Wahoos are going to come out. They're going to give Clemson a game. Clemson's are favored by 28 and a half. I don't know if they'll make that, but it's definitely not going to be. No, it's not going to be close. It's not going to be close. So that wraps up our uh, conference championship preview segment. On to our, our quacks and answers. Quacks and answers, indeed. Yeah, let me pull up my questions. Also, Twitter says that uh, that Clay Hilton's looking more likely to be retained. Yeah, so I have our questions ready to go. Here we go. Okay, uh, should have been a duck. Asks, how good would Peterson be as our OC? Not, I think not he'd good. be very. I think he'd be very good. Yeah, Chris he'd Peterson be more bland than Arroyo. No, oh, he'd be better than Arroyo. Yeah. He'll be miles better than Arroyo, I think. But that's neither here or there because Chris Peterson has stated that he's uh, taking a break. Oh, but boy. I don't think he'll switch sides uh, of the rivalry anytime soon. He also, uh, should have been a duck, also asked, how did you win a game in fantasy football? Joseph, you I won a game? Not, yes, I do not know. What? <laughs> yes. Uh, by accident. Joseph, congratulations. Yeah. That's your first Thank win you. of the season. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, I was I'm kind of depressed actually. I was going for the winless season. And so you even you even failed at failing. That's even yeah. worse, Joseph. Oh, I yeah. was I was just I was just really happy for you. Now I'm kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he asked he asked a lot of questions. So this next question is how asked how are you going to parlay this one into more win, wins? I don't know. I'm gonna go undefeated next year. You just watch. He asks. Uh, he asks another question. How can you predict an Oregon loss to Utah when historically it has been one of the most unpredictable series in recent years? Because I'm being, I'm a realist. I know what's going on. <laughs> he asks. He asks another question. A lot of questions from this individual. Do you have glue? No, I do not. And Bill Musgrave asks, finally, a family-friendly question for once. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> yeah. We still have to go camping, did... Bill. Get me up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he asks, why does R.B. Stewart hate you so much? Mm, that's a good question. 
Well, wait, because wait, is he I talking stated... to me or talking to you? He's talking to me because oh, okay. uh, I got uh, well, I stated in the past that Justin Herbert is the is very inconsistent, inconsistent, and very in very not so nice words. I'll say on the website, and um, he caught wind of it and called me out on it. So it's nothing personal. I don't think it's just. I stated in the past that I'm ready for the Chuck era to begin at Oregon, and Herbert is a uh, is no longer the quarterback of Oregon after this season. So it's it's just I'm frustrated with Herbert and his inconsistencies, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. There you go, making enemies of people. Yeah, mm, can't take you anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan PDX asks. There's a disc stuck in my PS3. The eject button doesn't work, and I tried removing the access plate and using the manual ejection method, but that doesn't that didn't work either. Can you fix it for me? No. Sure. Bring it on down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take a look at it. And there's some very funny, funny comments that I can't I can't say here below what, that question. What uh, I'm I'm really curious about what it is. Is it worth yeah. just leaving in? Um, well, yeah. This could be a rated R podcast, but, you know, we'll see. Mm. They say, uh, Groucho Duck comments, be careful that manual ejection stuff, you might go blind. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's or throw air in your palms, I think, is the other one, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Should have been a duck responds, have you tried blowing on it like an old NES cartridge? That's not going to help. No. Uh, Puget Duck asks, what is a ute? Uh, Mr. Gambini. Okay. What is <laughs> a ute? Um, I believe it's a native peoples of the Utah region, but, um, yes. or a, uh, a northeastern accent way of saying youths, your honor. Yeah. He's, he spelled it as Y-U-T-E. So I'm assuming that's an Australian car. I'm assuming. <laughs> so Ravenous Ute asks, "What's your championship game analysis and predictions?" Well, well, if you listen to this show, we we have already gone over it. But uh, to reiterate, I think Utah wins this one in a close game because their defense. Mm, is he asking the conference championship or the national championship? Joseph, give the, me a national think, championship prediction. I don't know. I haven't gone that far, but uh, I think I think Ohio State beats Clemson. It it depends on the seeding that comes on on Sunday. Hmm. I think I have. Yeah, depending on seeding, I have LSU over Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. Saint Quack asks, which is which is the better, Watchmen or Westworld, and why? Um, I've only seen the first episode of Watchmen, and I haven't seen any of Westworld. So the only thing that I can speak intelligently on is Watchmen, and it's it's watchable. Watchmen is watchable. Um, I've heard great things about Westworld, but I cannot say one way or the other. But I mean, really, who watches the Watchmen? Yeah, huh? I've watched every. I watched some of it. I think Westworld's better. I know I said I'm okay, previous that I've been trying to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get into the Watchmen, but I just yeah, I haven't made it in a a, a priority. Maybe, yeah. maybe an off season project is to go catch up on Watchmen. Yeah. So that's all the questions that we have for today. Thank you for submitting them and keep on submitting those questions. Thanks, guys. Yes, and also we have a special thing coming up at the end of the show, so please pay attention. So. Do you have any duck news to go over? Except for our basketball teams doing well? Basketball teams doing okay. Both teams lost their respective tournaments. Ducks Ben winning the games they're supposed to win, losing the games they're supposed to lose. I'll say that. Um, women, surprisingly, surprising loss. Um, I think I don't care who it would have been. It would have been a surprising loss to me. And Oregon's football continuing to kill it on the, the recruiting pet. A couple of uh, four-star yeah. uh, defensive players this year, this week. Um, yeah, I mean, take that. 
Yeah, uh, the Ducks picked up uh, in 2020, um, you know, the younger brother of Pina Sewell, Noah Sewell. He's a five, he's supposed, he's a four-star linebacker, Rick, uh, as rated by 24-7 Sports. And um, Oregon was supposedly in the lead for the longest time due to Pina being really good at Oregon. So not much of a surprise that he committed there, but um for the next year's class, 2021, we picked up a the top-ranked recruit in the state of Oregon, the linebacker by the name of Keith Brown. So he committed on his on his unofficial visit this past weekend and in front of everybody. Yeah, a really good gets, and the defense is looking good for the next couple of years. Yeah, it is. And then uh, the other thing that I noted is that uh, Oregon softball taking a page out of Oregon women's yeah. basketball team and scheduling a exhibition match against the U.S. national team. That should be pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully the outcome is similar to the women's basketball game, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, uh, just this came just came across wire that uh, Oregon State receiver. Isaiah Hodgins just declared for the draft. Oh, cool. That's going to be good for him. So Oregon State basically loses their Dylan Mitchell. So we'll see how they turn out next year. So do you have any closing thoughts? I only had one thing I wanted to mention. Um, So there's a gentleman named Steve. Uh, I can't say his last name. He's been an avid Northwest Christian University basketball supporter. He was... Uh, the team manager for a while. He's a man of special needs. His his family has uh, moved to Florida, and he's taken him with him. So this this season will will be the first season that he hasn't been uh, behind the bench cheering them on and handing out water bottles for the last like sixteen years. And he's always been a really great advocate for uh, the mental health community, whether it was uh, Eugene Area Special Olympics or what have you he's his presence that is definitely going to be missed um both at ncu and uh in the community here and we wish you luck in florida yeah my closing thoughts are that um we lost another former athlete today or i think it was yesterday or a couple of days yeah yesterday and a former notre dame running back george atkinson the third just passed away a couple of days ago causes are unknown at this time but he Word got out that he was really depressed after he lost his twin brother in the last couple of years. So yeah, his his father was a really great player in the NFL. So please give your thoughts and prayers to the Notre Dame community and his family because they're going through a really tough time right now. And um, go visit One Foot Down, the Notre Dame SB Nation site, to give your condolences and stuff. If you are suffering right now um, through depression or other mental health problems, please seek help. And because um, there, there's, there's help out there for you, no matter how bad it gets. And uh, please, all I'm asking is please seek help, because I don't want to see another young person die, especially yeah. by their by their own hands. I'll yeah. tweet out the uh, the the prevention numbers that, like I did earlier this season so yeah please seek help if you are if you are struggling it's not a shameful thing to seek help so please seek help okay and that's our show for today so hopefully the ducks win on friday night and uh so go ducks go ducks